pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love to us once again. Lord, ever let us be mindful of how good you are and how much you love us. We ask that you would bless and work during each part of this service that you may be honored and glorified in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If we would. In John chapter 10, and not in a rebuke in any way, but when something blesses your heart around here, we just say amen because we want God to get all the glory. Amen. John chapter 10, a familiar passage the past several weeks, uh, we've been working on a series on listening to God, and this will probably be, unless something happens this week, the last sermon in, uh, uh, in this series, but, uh, and we just call this one, Keep Listening to Jesus, and uh, let's look at John chapter 10, we'll start reading in verse 27. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. He's having uh, a, uh, actually, they were having a division, a discussion among themselves. And Jesus actually rebukes them in verse 26. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Verse 27, where we want to start this morning. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Let's just go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you would focus our hearts, that you would open our ears not only to hear the words, but our hearts to truly understand that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to speak with us during this time. In your name we pray, amen. There's an awful lot in the Bible about hearing God's word. Of course, the passage that we quote as a church Uh, Very, very many times, faith cometh by and hearing by the word of God. If If we have any need today, it is faith. Faith solves the problems. Now, we have to be careful what we put our faith in. We have a growing, growing group of people here in America whose faith is in its government. Now, if there's any place you ought not put your faith, it is in government, amen? Uh, Faith, misplaced faith. Now, I've preached on that, and, and we don't have time to go into that this morning. There's nothing more dangerous Nothing more harmful than faith in the wrong things. Now, I would dare say that the vast majority of us, I I doubt there would hardly be an exception to this rule, that the reason we are here this morning, and how many of you had to put forth just a little extra effort this morning because of the time change? I don't know why they can't do time change on Monday morning. Uh, I, I would like to see that happen. Because let me tell you something. People would show up for work on time. Because it would cost them if they didn't. Now I don't mind the fall too bad. I don't make any announcements for the fall time change. And everybody's here for Sunday school. Amen. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. But uh, aside from that point... Uh, The reason why we're here, I believe the vast majority of us, is because we want our faith to be improved. We need to have more faith in these last days. And of course, our faith has to be centered on the right thing. And of course, the only place you can put your faith is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing that gets scary is there's a lot of 
fake Jesuses out there. There's a lot of false Christ. And the Bible even talks about Jesus said, there'll be many that come in my name. How do we know which and what is real? Well, Jesus gives us the answer right here. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And what does it say there? And I know them, and they follow me. I mean, how many of us here today know who President Barack Obama is? Would you just raise your hand? If you don't, see me after service. You've got big problems. Amen? Uh, how many of you in here does... President Barack Obama, no. You better not raise your... No. <laughs> you see, everybody knows about Jesus. Everybody knows who he is. But the difference in this verse, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I... Know them. Does Jesus know you? That's the difference. But there's another and in there. And they what? Follow. Follow me. Now, I love these verses, and uh, I didn't plan on doing this this morning. I hope I can get this ring off my finger. If I can't, I will not be able to do the illustration. But years ago, when I was traveling with Brother Clayton, I don't think it's going to come off. Um, uh, no, not going to happen. Well, we'll pretend, amen? But um, there it goes. Years ago, when I was traveling with Brother Clayton, I did a lot of work with the children's church. And even during a wedding ceremony, we used the wedding band to illustrate the fact that we know this ring had a beginning because somebody made it. Amen? But when the craftsman is finished creating the ring, can you find the end? No, he polishes it all out. And it kind of is a neat representation of the human soul. Had a beginning. You were created, procreated is the actual term. But you have an eternal soul. Now Jesus said, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Well, let this ring represent the individual soul. When you get saved, you are in the hand of Jesus. How safe is that? Yet, Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, my father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. You see, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone and ask him to save you, you are in his hand. The Father puts his hand over the sons. And then I would often ask the little child who was doubting their salvation, can you get that ring out of my hands? And of course, they grab a hold of one finger and try to pry it a little bit, and I'd pull them back. And I said... How much stronger is Jesus than Pastor Pete? Oh, you see, when Jesus keeps you saved, nobody's going to get you. Amen? But we get into the struggle of living daily for the Lord Jesus now, don't we?
And most of us, if we're just plain honest, that struggle gets weary sometimes. That's why the Apostle Paul said, Be not weary in well-doing, for ye shall reap in due season. What? If you faint not. But let me tell you something, even if you do faint, God's not giving up on you because you're safe in His hand. But how many other people I have met over the years, just as earnest as the first group, and they struggle and they fight and they do everything they can, and it just seems, as the Bible describes them, they are ever learning and never able to come to the truth. Now, this morning, we're going to do a little contrast here, and I want you to follow very close if you can. We're first going to look at the life of Peter. Now, if anybody rode the roller coaster of faith, uh, Peter had quite a ride, did he not? I mean, up and down. But after a while, it kind of leveled off now, didn't it? And what I want us to do is I want us to walk through just a few points in Peter's life. Uh, we, we don't have time to certainly cover every, every story in detail, but John chapter 1, don't turn there, we're going to Luke chapter 5 in a moment. Jesus has called uh, Andrew and Philip, follow Jesus, and, and uh, uh, before uh, the evening is over, Andrew goes and finds Peter and he brings him to Jesus and Jesus gives Peter a new name. Peter understands who Jesus is. He is the one that John the Baptist spoke about. He is the one who's coming. John said, I'm not worthy to even bear his shoes. Now in Luke chapter 5, there is... Not a great deal of time, but some time has elapsed since John chapter 1. Peter and Andrew and James and John are on the Sea of Galilee. They've been fishing all night. They've beached the boats. They've pulled the nets out of the uh, ships and they're washing and cleaning the seaweed and all of the debris out of the nets and any place that has been cut or broken, they They're mending that. And along comes Jesus. In verse 1 it tells us, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him, that he would thrust out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net." And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the draught of fishes which they had taken. Now here's the story. How many of you have ever worked all night long? I'm talking about till the sun comes up in the morning. They call night shift, you get off at 11 o'clock. That's not night shift. That's sissy shift. Night shift, you go into work at 11 o'clock. And get off at 7.30 in the morning. I tell you, that'll do things to you that you just wish hadn't been done. When you see that sun peeking up over the horizon and realize, I've been up all night. This really isn't the smartest thing in the world. But then there's more work to do. 
And so the disciples were, I mean, they weren't the disciples yet. Peter and James and John were mending their nets and getting things ready. And I'm sure that they were just like robots going through uh, all of the patterns there. There was no Starbucks on the shore to get that extra shot of severe caffeine to get you through the hump. I mean, they were just sitting there trying to keep their eyes open. All of a sudden, Jesus comes. And there's a multitude of people pressing and getting closer. And Jesus is backing up. The only problem is the only thing behind him is the sea. And Jesus steps into Peter's boat and says, Would you press out, just uh, push out a little bit from the land so that I can speak to the people? I mean, there's a, a thing of speaking. One of the reasons why our platform is built up a little bit is so that the sound will carry out into the auditorium. And Jesus, what he was doing was getting up so that the sound would go over the heads. He didn't have the help of speakers and all of those things that we do. And Jesus taught, by the way, we have no record of the time and the amount of teaching that Jesus did, but one time he taught three days straight, the Bible tells us. Uh, he was not worried about the time frame. Now, if you've ever been up all night like that, the hardest thing in the world is sitting down or standing up and just listening to someone talk or preach. But they stayed awake, and when Jesus was done, he said, I want you to launch out, I want you to catch some fish. And Peter was saying, that's a great idea, Lord. Our, our, our boats are empty. We didn't catch anything last night. And of course, if a fisherman doesn't catch fish, he doesn't get money, he doesn't eat. Uh, they didn't have all the things that we do today. Things had to be done that day so you could eat that day. And Peter says, okay, Lord, I've heard your words. I just want you to know there ain't no fish out there to catch. But that's okay. You're Jesus. I'm going to listen to you. You'll notice Jesus said, let down the nets. And Peter said, I'll let down the net. Singular. He was going to humor this preacher. I heard one preacher preach one time. I, I love the word picture that is painted. He said, I wonder if Jesus had a couple of angels under the water. All night long. No fish, no fish. Come on, get out of the net, swim out of the net. And then in the morning, as that net came over the side of the fish, uh, those angels said, okay, guys, into the net. And I mean, shoveled that net so full of fish that the net began to break and they began to pull it up and, and they couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. All of a sudden, the cry went out, James, John, get your boat over here. It says they filled up both ships so that they began to sink. And very gently, they bobbed those little boats back to the shore. Peter was thinking while all this was going on. And Peter made an unusual request. One that I dare say most of us have made at one time or another. Because when we are faced with God's goodness and God's word, and our failure of faith, what do we do? God, you got the wrong Christian here. Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Dear Lord, why don't you just give up on me? Uh, I'm never going to be what you want me to be. Uh, I'm just not going to make it. I'm not the kind of material that you're looking for, Lord. Am I the only one that's ever said that? You see, Peter heard what God said. He saw what God did. He also understood who he was. And he said, Lord, you're, never gonna, you're not going to make me what you want me to be. Now, was that true? Absolutely not. God can do anything he wants. Amen. Amen. 
with whomever He wants to do it with. But Jesus then said something to Peter and James and John. He told them, end of verse 10, And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now, does that sound like John chapter 10? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Could you say amen to that? You see, Jesus wants to do a work in your life. Now, please don't mistake me for Mr. Olstein. all right? It's not to make you feel happy. It's not to just improve your lot in life. Jesus is not here to give you what you want because you don't know what you want. We are not smart enough. We are not intelligent enough. In fact, we've got this heart that is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked that's always pulling us in the wrong direction. That heart has to be corralled. That heart has to be formed. That heart has to be constrained, is the Bible word, to make us desire the things that Jesus wants us to have. Now, three and a half years, Jesus and Peter were together, and Jesus was working on Peter We won't take time to go to Matthew chapter 16, but Peter there made uh, a great statement. He said that uh, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah of the Scriptures, that Jesus was the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophecies. And yet when Jesus began to explain to him some of those other prophecies in Matthew 16 that the Savior had to die, Peter said, Not so, my Lord. That's not going to be about you. I'll protect you. And what did Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savest the things of men and not the things of God. That was Peter. But probably the darkest hour in Peter's life was Mark chapter 14. Let's go there. This was the night Jesus was betrayed. Now Peter heard Jesus. Jesus had told the disciples that I'm going to be betrayed. And then he told them, all of you are going to be offended because of me tonight. Now what that word offended means, all of you are going to wish you had never known me and that's what you're going to tell people. Now Peter, look at verse 30. Or verse 27, let's read the whole thing. It says, And Jesus said unto the, saith unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after that I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus saith unto him, Verily I say unto thee that this day, even in this night before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. Now Peter heard what Jesus said, but look what he did with it. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. How many of you have ever read something in the Bible and it was just 
You knew God was speaking to you. You knew it was something that you had to do. And you just felt like Peter did right there. Not going to happen to me. Peter said, that's not going to happen to me. Now, Jesus had just said it. Peter heard those words. A little later on, if we read here, Jesus goes to a place called Gethsemane. Verse 38 of Mark 14, he says, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. And he prayed for an hour and came back. And what was Peter and the disciples doing? They were sleeping. Jesus went again and prayed a second hour. What were the disciples doing? Sleeping. Jesus then wakes them up after three hours of prayer. He says, you can sleep as long as you want now. Rise up, let us be going. He that betrayeth me is at hand. And before they had time to wipe the sleep out of their befuddled minds and try to open their eyes and perceive what was going on, a great crowd had followed Judas into the garden and Judas had stepped up to Jesus and given him the kiss of the betrayer. Immediately the crowd surged around Jesus and began to try to bind his hands. Peter's finally waking up and he realizes what's going on and Mark gives us a story as he grabs his sword and he gets an ear. I I don't think that's what Peter was aiming for. But let me ask you a question. Which one of the other disciples was even trying? I mean, I I have to admire Peter for at least trying. He says, well, we're all going to die. I'm going to go down fighting. Let's go. And then he watches Jesus pick that ear up and put it back on. And it says, they all forsook him and fled. But look down at verse 54. This is probably one of the most dangerous verses in the Bible. It says, And Peter followed him, where? Afar off. Peter was going to disprove Christ. Did he do it? No. But you gotta, you got to look at Peter and say, This guy had something. I mean, he followed Jesus afar off. He wasn't part of the mob. He didn't go with Jesus. Uh, The Bible tells us in John's epistle that John just, even though he wasn't bound, he wasn't arrested, he walked with Jesus. He stood with him through the trial. He was there the whole time. Nobody paid much attention to John. Peter followed afar off. He, as a disciple of Christ, sat at a fire with the very men that had bound him in the garden, in the palace of the high priest. Now, either Peter was very brave or very stupid, uh, probably both. And what happened? Three times, Peter denied that he even knew who Jesus was. The last time, the Bible says he began to curse and swear. It's kind of interesting, nobody asked him after that. Because Jesus' disciples didn't talk like that. Verse 72, the last verse of chapter 14 It says, in the second time, the cock crew. And Peter called to mind 
the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. Let me tell you, Peter had listened to Jesus and it failed. He had heard the words. He certainly understood what they said. But he tried to change Jesus' words. Don't ever try to change Jesus' words. He failed. Let's go to John chapter 21. And if you ever hear somebody going through this passage and they want to use all the different words for love and get into the original language, it's just, just uh, go listen to somebody else, actually. Jesus never lowers his level of love to meet us. Jesus gave Peter three opportunities to affirm his love for Christ just as Peter took three opportunities to deny that love for Christ. Jesus had a duty for Peter to do and when it was all said and done, we come down here to verse 18. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young and girdest, thou girdest thyself or dressed yourself and walkest whithersoever thou wouldest, whither thou wouldest, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Now verse 19 says, This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. So we have Jesus speaking unto Peter after he's said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these three times? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you really love me? And then he says, Peter, when you're old, somebody else is going to dress you and take you to a place where you don't want to go. But you're going to die glorifying me. Now right then, Peter should have been jumping up and down and shouting hallelujah. Because Jesus told him how it was going to end. He told him that your death is going to glorify God. Now let me ask you a question. Could you want something more than that? As a servant of Christ, could you want any greater thing than to know that when you did die, that your death glorified God. Would you think about that this morning? You can't ask for any greater thing. Jesus told him, this is what's going to happen. But Peter wasn't listening to that. He's saying, well, you told me some pretty awful things, Lord, about what's going to happen to me. Well, no. He didn't tell him awful things. He told him good things. Hey, every one of us in this room is going to die. Somebody said, if I knew where it was going to happen, I just wouldn't go there. Well, that's why God hadn't told you. Amen. None of us know. It's interesting, I've met many people thought they were going to die. Long time later, they were still there. You have to give that to the Lord. But to know that your death is going to glorify God, it's the greatest knowledge you can have. But Peter turned around and looked for John. What's that guy going to do? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus said, listen. If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? 
You know, there are some people that actually believe that John is still alive in a cave somewhere. That he's been living all this 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth and that on the rapture day, John's going to walk out and show himself to everybody. That's not what Jesus said. John explains it. He said, Jesus didn't say I was going to live till he comes back. He said, if I decided that he would, what is that to thee? The issue is follow me. You know what? Peter finally got something straight on this day. Because we don't have Peter riding a roller coaster anymore, do we? Day of Pentecost was about 10 days away from here, maybe 15 or so. We don't know exactly when in that period of 40 days that Jesus appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. This event happened. But we do know that Peter was the great preacher on the day of Pentecost now, don't we? We do know that Peter and John were preaching just a few weeks later when 5,000 men got saved at one time in the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, We know that Peter was the one God called upon to turn his back on hundreds and hundreds of years of Jewish tradition and racial hatred and disgust toward other people groups and took the gospel to Cornelius, a centurion of the Roman army. And Cornelius and all those that were with him got saved. Peter got things straightened out now, didn't he? But it didn't look so good for Peter there for a while, did it? You ever wonder why God records people's failures as well as their successes? Is so that you and I can know that these people lived real lives and had real problems and faced real issues so that you and I wouldn't try to say, well... It was different from them. Let me tell you, it was no different for them. In fact, it's a lot easier for us. Because we got the whole book right here. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. Amen. Now I want us to turn to one other passage. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Now this is a story about a man we know well, even though no one knows his name. We call him... The rich young ruler. His story starts in verse 16 of Matthew 19. It says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he said, Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, what lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Look at verse 22. But when the young man heard that saying, but when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, 
for he had great possessions. Do you see the difference between this man and Peter? Jesus spoke unto Peter, gave Peter a new name, and yet when we get to Luke chapter 5, what was Peter doing? He was fishing. Wasn't very good at it, but he was doing it. Finally, he says, Jesus, give up on me. I'm never going to be what you want me to be. Jesus said, fear not. From henceforth thou shalt catch men, follow me. And Peter did. And Jesus revealed great things to Peter. Peter thought, I'm a keeper of great knowledge. And Jesus had to rebuke him and said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Peter thought he had a great passion for the Lord and his love for the Lord was greater than life itself. And yet he denied the Lord three times. And even after the Lord gave him opportunity to affirm his love, Peter says, You've told me the end, I'm going to end right, Lord, but what about him? You know what? Peter listened. And when he failed, he just came back to Jesus. He just kept coming back. That's the title of this morning's message. Just keep listening. This fellow right here at the end... Luke chapter 18 tells us that he was a ruler. Matthew refers several times to him as a young man. Luke tells us that he was very rich. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to let go of what you have. It's interesting. He wouldn't give up that which he could to obtain that which he could not. He could have given up what he had. If he had done that, he would have tamed something he could never have bought with all of his riches in one purchase. If he had given up what he had, he could have obtained something that not a hundred lifetimes could have given him. But you see, This rich young ruler knew who Jesus was. But Jesus didn't know him. By the way, it wasn't Jesus' fault. Let's read on just a little bit and we'll be done. Verse 23. Then Jesus said unto his disciples... Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God. All things are possible. Let me ask you a question. Are you listening to Jesus? Are you on Peter's roller coaster? Lord, I'm going to follow you. Doesn't work out. Maybe... Lord, give up on me. It's just not going to happen. Lord said, fear not. You follow me. But Lord, what about him over here? 
uh, Peter, how about you follow me? That's what Jesus wants. This rich young ruler, one of the tellings of the stories in the other Gospels said he went away sorrowful, for he was very rich. Now, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples, which you could paint the picture in your mind, he comes running to meet Jesus and falls down at his feet and worships him in the way. He calls him good master and Jesus corrects him saying there's only one good, that's God. And you'll never notice that the rich young ruler never made that mistake twice. Because he didn't believe Jesus is God. After Jesus puts it on the line saying, get rid of what you have and follow me. He goes away very sorrowful. Do you think he was going away at the same speed he came to Jesus? Let me tell you, his head was down. There may have been tears running down his face. His entire body was at a depressed attitude and he was just trying to contemplate everything. He, he said, I got to sell it all. How can I give up everything just for him? And Jesus turns to his disciples as he's walking away with his hand in his head, his head in his hands. And he says, how hard is it for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Let me tell you, the rich young ruler heard those words. I've read the commentaries where they say, well, there's a gate in the city of Jerusalem. They call the eye of a needle and a camel has to be totally unburdened from all of its saddles and accessories to crawl on its knees through this eye of the needle gate. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, Jesus said it's impossible. Somebody built that gate trying to make what Jesus said was impossible possible? Let me tell you, Jesus was talking about a needle. You're not going to get an 1,800-pound camel through a needle that you can hold in your hand. I don't care what you use. It's just not happening. Because with men, it's impossible. But with God? But with God? But with God, all things are possible. God didn't leave you out when he said all things. He didn't leave me out. All things are possible. Are you listening to God? Have you heard his voice? Not, do you know God? Does he know you? That demands a personal relationship. How do you get that? It's real easy. Get born into his family. doesn't get any more personal than that. Amen? And follow Jesus. You can't follow Jesus and not be saved. You can't follow Jesus and not be biblically baptized. You can't follow Jesus and not serve him through his local church. Uh, you can't follow Jesus 
if you're not spending time in his word. You can't follow Jesus if you're trying to follow your heart. Uh, you can't follow Jesus if there's something that you're holding on to that doesn't belong to him. Are you listening? Keep listening. But I failed. So Peter, keep listening. I'm discouraged. Ah, so was Peter. Keep listening. I want to quit. So did Peter. Keep listening. Keep listening. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning in prayer. And Lord, I am so glad that it's not my duty as a pastor to walk up and down these aisles and point my finger at the souls of individuals here and say, you're not listening. But I pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to do exactly that right now. Lord, we have people who are not listening because they're not saved. I just pray that they would surrender their soul to you today. Lord, we have people who are not listening because they've not submitted to Bible baptism and church membership. We have people who are not listening because they're not serving you. Their life is still about themselves and not you. Lord, I pray, whatever the need, that the Holy Spirit of God would make it plain and that we would listen, we would hear your words, that you would know us, that we would follow you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Have Brother Franz come and lead us in the hymn of